hey, we're back and we're in this. Man, we do have a little bit of news that, you know, kind of, you know, kind of sad, but, you know, it does happen, of course, especially uh, during the season. The Dawn of the Witch, episode seven, has been delayed. Uh, so we won't be talking about that uh, anime today. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, we haven't, you know, been able to determine the reasoning why the schedule change has taken place. But it is expected that this episode will launch on May the 27th. All right, so without a further of ado, let's go ahead and get into our first anime for discussion, and that is Dance Dance Dansur. <laughs> I think I said that right this time. So we're on episode seven titled, Ah, I'm so embarrassed. Now, Junpei, in this episode, he is reflecting on a decision he had made with the ultra super, super sweet pianist, uh, Suma Muda. I think I got that right. <laughs> Realizing his lack of knowledge when it comes down to ballet. Now, Junpei, you know, he becomes overwhelmingly embarrassed knowing that everything he's done up until this point has been pushing him uh, you know, or rather pushing his own ideals of what he thinks ballet is instead of truly taking the time to learn the actual art form. Now, you know, it makes me think about what my most embarrassing moment was in school because, you know, our dear Junpei, you know, of course, students, you know, within this ballet course that they're, they're taking, uh, you know, they're kind of somewhat teasing him a little bit and because it's very obvious to them that, man, like, I don't think that he truly knows what ballet is. And so even, you know, for Junpei reflecting on that because of, uh, you know, the students, but also, you know, the teachers kind of being constantly on him, you know, correcting some of his mistakes. Now, there is kind of a slight um, difference between the, him being corrected. You know, there was one of the students that made a comment that, um, you know, at this school, whenever a correction is made, if an, uh, if the, the student will not receive a second correction. So that means that whatever Junpei is being told something, um, for the most part, he's not having to be, you know, told again. So he's correcting them, those uh, initial mistakes right off the bat, but that's neither here nor there. And once again, my, my eyes are burning. Y'all forgive me. If my eyes start twitching on stream, <laughs> you, you know why. Okay. So, um, it makes me think about my most embarrassing moment that I had in school. And, um, I shared that story with y'all. I was in junior high school and, you know, during that time, I say I was somewhat of a class clown. Um, I think that was mostly because I was bored in class. It was, I didn't really, I, just focusing on the subject matter or not, I just found to be extremely dull. And like, once I got bored, I just found things to kind of entertain my, <laughs> to entertain me. That's kind of what it was, you know, when I was younger. So uh, making jokes in class and, you know, the teacher wanted me to stop basically, you know, like Jay, like you, like stop making all these jokes and, you know, uh, pay attention to the lecture that's going on. Now, I didn't know that this teacher had a conversation with my mom, whereas my mom, you know, she was really, really familiar with 
uh, a lot of the teachers and the principals and whatnot in the school, but I didn't know that she had had so many like backdoor conversations, right? So <laughs> you can you can kind of you can kind of guess where the story is leading to, right? <laughs> so uh, the teacher says, "I'm going to call your parent now since you think everything since you think everything is funny." And my teacher calls my mom and they have a discussion for maybe like what seemed to be like 30 seconds. And next thing I know, my teacher says, the phone is for you. So look, <laughs> I felt like I was walking down the green mile <laughs> as I was about to receive my death sentence. Cause you know, I was casually heading over to the phone and I could hear all the students in the class, like, Ooh, you in trouble, you know? So it was, it was crazy, you know? So anyways, I get on the phone and my mom, she says with this real agitated voice, I'm headed up to the school right now to whoop your ace because you keep wanting to play around when you're supposed to be in school trying to learn. And man, that, that shit, that sent chills down my spine, right? But of course, you know, my mom, in her um, beautifully executed, uh, 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 I don't know what I would call it, but she said what she had to say and she got off the phone and hung it up on me. And bruh, once I got off the phone, you know, of course I had this very calm demeanor, you know, trying to be all cool. And I'm walking back to my desk and I'm acting like nothing happened, right? But in the inside, I'm panicking. <laughs> I am panicking. It's like, you know, that, that hamster in my head, uh, there's a whole bunch of fire that's going on inside and, and the hamster is trying to put out all the fires that I created, but uh, they just weren't going out because the honest truth, like I was so, so scared. So that whole time in class, I'm quiet. I'm letting, you know, not making any noise, not making any more jokes or anything like that. And I'm just waiting for the moment that my mom walks through this door. Uh, and so every little kind of like what sound like a door sound or a creak or something like that, I was just constantly like watching my back. But, you know, my mom actually never came. She never came to the school. And I to this day, I don't think I ever talked to my mom about that kind of psych out and why she never came or why she said what she said. But that's something I definitely want to, uh, you know, talk to her about soon. But yeah, I mean, that was uh, my most embarrassing moment in school. And man, like the, the, but the funny thing is I thought that that was going to be a moment where most of the students would remember that about what happened to me and how spooked I was, but no, it was kind of like a non discussion. Like nobody really talked about it. And so I'm, I'm I'm guessing my whole calm, cool demeanor really uh my acting played a, a really, really good role in all of this. So <laughs> all right. Moving on to our next anime discussion, and that is <laughs> uh Ben says, Oh, you was about to get bodied. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I was. It was it was it was pretty pretty sad, but <laughs> all right. So our next anime discussion, we have Spy Family, episode seven, titled The Target's Second Son. 
in this episode, we had um, our dear Anya, who is worried about returning to school. <laughs> just that statement alone is already giving me PTSD, just giving me flashbacks of what I just got through discussing earlier. But, um, you know, she was worried about returning to school. And in this situation, uh, it was after getting into a physical altercation with another student named Damien Desmond. Now, uh, Damien, he happens to be the son of Donovan Desmond, who is the president of the National Unity Party of Austania, and who's also the primary target for Anya's father, Twilight, or at least that's his code name, uh, who is a high-ranking spy. And so, you know, in this episode, you know, there was a lot of feelings, you know, feeling like uh, you know, Anya feeling like she may have ruined her father's mission. And in order to save it from complete failure, Anya decides, hey, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to apologize to Damien after I punched him for his rude remarks about me in hopes that hopefully we can become friends. So she goes out to apologize. And even though um, you know, th what the situation was, she still wanted to be friends in the end. Now, I think this episode made a lot of us consider how powerful an apology can be. Now, firstly, like it can be difficult to apologize, um, especially if you're not the person that was in the wrong. I mean, come on, like in this situation with Anya, she was not necessarily in the wrong. I mean, I guess like because of violence, you know, her lashing out with violence. Yeah, you could say that she was wrong, but the way that it was inspired and she was antagonized, you could kind of see how that would come about. But, you know, when you do apologize and you're not the person that was in the wrong, you do hear the saying a lot of, hey, be the bigger person. You know, that's what you got to just be the bigger person. You know, you can you can overcome that. And so when I hear that phrase, I think that I mean, I think it's OK, but I don't think that that phrase is the solution every time, because sometimes you end up positively reinforcing someone's bad behavior um, by being the bigger person. And that's not cool. I mean, come on. Like uh, now, here's another thing. But you can lead um others to wanting to apologize when you do so if you are the bigger person for example um you, you go up to someone and you say hey um i'm feeling this you know certain way and but I, and i know we had our disagreement but you know what i want to apologize i'm sorry now that can lead to the other person saying you know what hey I'm sorry too. You know, I wasn't thinking straight. You know, I had a whole bunch of, you know, thoughts going on or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, it happens that way. And sometimes the other person doesn't apologize uh, first because they just weren't brave enough. And so uh, another kind of element to, uh, you know, how powerful an apology can be and, and why it's so difficult to do is because it's very emotional as well. I mean, um, I remember hearing a comment from a legendary music artist and they were talking about emotions and the quote that they, they used was when emotions are high, common sense is at an all time low. And I, you know, just thinking about, it, I was like, 
dang, like that's that's actually like really, really, really true. Or usually is true in most cases, I would say, because most of the time when uh, people are very emotional, they tend to make bad decisions at that moment. And I mean, it's just like, look at Damien at this episode of Spy Family. Like he was going through so much emotionally that, you know, he was just like, you know what? I'm blurting out. He just blurted out something and he just took off running, you know, like, you know, and, you know, there are cues that makes it feel seem like he pretty much or probably um, has some some strong uh, positive feelings for Anya. But I guess we'll find out a little bit more in future episodes. But uh, yeah, you know, and but an apology can defuse high emotions and lead to more positive, constructive uh, conversations, you know, and that does happen sometimes where you can say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, breaking your, your game. Um, you know, I know you're upset with me or whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And so the, your friend who you apologize to, they were really, really, really mad at you, but because you apologized, it brought their emotional state down low and more to like a normal state. And so y'all were able to have conversations again and get back on the same page and eventually like hopefully <laughs> become friends again but yeah i mean a- apologies are very very powerful um but depending on how you use them um you know you got to be careful because some people will take advantage of the situation um and um but for the most part i do think that apologies are a really good dish best served okay Moving on to our next anime for discussion, and that is Aowashi, episode seven, titled The First Youth Match. Now, in this episode, Aoi is participating in his first youth match as a player in this um, organization called Tokyo City Esperon. And it's a youth team uh, that is currently having a match. And, you know, the players in this match, they have the ability to be able to get promoted from Team A uh, of this youth squad, which is really, it's it's pretty much like being on the first team squad almost, you know, for the most part. And so because of this, um, our, uh, you know, pretty much main character, Io, he gets fired up. He's like, yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm really to, you know, put in this work. And so he <laughs> makes a lot of effort to score, score goals as fast as possible. But then he quickly realizes after his first goal that his opponents start to make adjustments and are preventing him from scoring. So meanwhile, while his teammates are making their own adjustments, um, you know, it's, it's kind of messed up because Aoi has this kind of lack of understanding i mean mean, it's it's of his own uh but it's kind of like dang like they didn't even decide to tell him hey like we we recognize some of the issues that that are happening right now and adjustments that the other team is making um and but aoi was not being able to recognize that so as he was becoming more more frustrated trying to figure out the solution on the field um you know he had some of his teammates kind of like uh, man, I can't believe like you don't see what's happening out there. And so one of the coaches goes on to say that um, Aoi doesn't have individual tactics. 
Now that's that's interesting. Like in the individual tactics. Like what does he what does the coach mean by that? You know? And so when you break down the definition for tactics, tactics is an action or strategy carefully planned to achieve a specific goal. So what does this correlate to? Like, what does this mean? You know, and so the idea is that Aoi basically doesn't pay attention to detail in order to carry out a specific plan. So for the most part, I mean, he's playing soccer on pure ability and the lack of information is what's really holding him back from becoming a better player. So, you know, it makes you really think like, okay, paying attention to details like, you know, how important is it and when does it come into play? Now, for an example, um, Kyrie Irving, who is an NBA champion uh, for the National uh, National Basketball Association, uh, who is praised by many fans and professionals in the sport as one of the most skilled basketball players of all time like all time, all time. Like he is one of the most um, converse players when it comes down to skills. And uh, Kyrie explained that when he was young, he learned from his father the importance of paying attention to details and to improve uh, his work by, you know, just looking at all of the small things in his sport to elevate his level of skill. And so, I mean, look at him now. I mean, like I said, he's he's a champion. So he took time to really pay attention to details and, and the small, intricate things in the sport of basketball. And, you know, you hear statements of like, oh, look at what he's able to do with the basketball. He puts this English on it and it's able to spin in the goal. And I mean, just... All these different things that I'm sure that, yeah, you probably don't necessarily truly understand. But, you know, even outside of sports, just watching your surroundings could potentially save you or someone else from a harmful situation. So um, it may seem like a small thing when it comes down to it. But trust me, like paying attention to details can be a very transformative experience and you know it can help you and in, in, in go a long way in life now i will say this <laughs> although i i do suppose that you know paying a you know too much attention to stuff it could affect you in a way where dang like you're looking at so many of the details every day that you stop really enjoying some of the things in your daily life and so i really i, I will say that with this kind of uh, you know, knowledge or, or ideas that there's a little bit of give and take, you know, on this, you know, so don't go too far on the spectrum, but definitely, you know, I, I do think that uh, paying attention to detail is a you know, pretty important thing. All right. That is that topic. So let's get to our next anime discussion. And that is for Love After World Domination, Episode 7, titled Desumi Magahara is the Monster I Made. <laughs> what monster is being made? We really want to know. Well, in this episode, you have uh, Fudo's teammate, Daigo, who reveals that he knows his girlfriend, Desumi Magahara, and shares stories about their past. 
Now, I got to say this. <laughs> in this episode, there was a there was a scene where a very young Desumi uh, meets Daigo, who's this kind of like martial arts student. And Daigo goes on and says, hey, like, Desumi, I know you're a new student here. You know, I want to, you know, because I'm going to be mentoring you and watching after you, you know, I just kind of want to see what level you're at, you know, like, you know, so he says, hey, hit me, you know, you know, hit me in my stomach. And she's like, Desumi's like, wait, you want me to hit you like, like this? And so she cocks back, punches him in the gut. And bro, she hits him so hard. He has a flashback of when he was a baby. <laughs> what? What? Like, think about this. He got hit so hard that he had a flashback of when he was younger. That's crazy. That, that, yo, I was dying laughing, like, so bad. Like, that was so, so, so funny. But, yeah, like, you know, after this discussion uh, that he had with Fudo, Daigo said, hey, you know, I want to arrange a meeting between, you know, the two of you in efforts so I can recruit Desumi to become a member of the Gelato Five, which is a hero team uh, in this anime. Now, here's the catch, though. Uh, Daigo says to Desumi, hey, if you, you know, if you do join, then, you know, you have to break up with Fudo because, you know, workplace relationships are forbidden. And I was like, dang, like that, like that's kind of crazy. And well, um, in the anime, Desumi definitely did not like that. But <laughs> that's another conversation for another day. But, you know, it does beg the question of should relationships at work be forbidden? You know, should they or should they not? Um, I don't know. What do y'all think? Like, what do y'all think about that? I mean, for me, uh, I, I could think of some reasons of why it is forbidden. I mean, I think one is kind of obvious, like favoritism or like positioning. Like when you think about it, if you have uh, two people that are together and, you know, maybe they're in, um, you know, one, one has a, a higher uh, ranking or like level or position than the other. And so let's say one is like on this, uh, management level director, something like that. And um, because of their positioning, you know, you're, you know, in the favoritism that kind of goes into it, you want to make happy with both of these people in a relationship in order to possibly, you know, get yourself in a, a nice position. But let, let's say that you're not friends with any one of them. You know, is it possible that that person that's in the higher position is more willing to to promote the other, um, promote someone else, or they they would say, hey, no, like I'll promote someone within my friend group over or someone that really likes us over you know a, a person that's actually doing a good job, even though I don't have a close relationship with them. So I think that's one thing that could be uh, a possible thing from him. Uh, just look, looking at the chat, Bit says, hey, he got sent into the hyperbolic time chamber when he got hit. <laughs> he he really did. Like, like Daigo, man, that scene was so crazy. And, like, and here's the thing. Like, the flashback moment, you know, you have this kind of um, – the, the, the artwork, it had this kind of faded look. So it makes us feel like, oh, this happened – many many years ago and I, I just could not stop laughing like that was that was hilarious but 
But yeah, you know, another thing when it comes down to um, uh, work, you know, relationships is I also think that discussions become a lot more delicate too because you're trying not to offend someone, you know, one, either one of the parties. And it's like, okay, if let's say if you say it to one person that's in a relationship, they might say, it, you know, spread that information to the other and be like, oh, like, hey, don't mess with this person because they were talking behind your back or something like that. Now, my suggestion for any of that is don't talk about anybody bad in the first place. And you <laughs> you pretty much will avoid that situation. But I mean, you know, a pulpit gossip and all that. I mean, that happens in the work workplace. And so it's kind of a, I say a normal thing in most places, even though for me personally, I don't get involved in any of that stuff. It's just, I don't know. It, to me, it's like, you're just asking to be a part of some new drama, I guess. But uh, another part is, it's like, if if there is people that are within, you know, having a relationship at, at the job, they could be corralling other family members to join the company. I mean, think about it. Like two heads is better than one, right? And so if two people are saying, hey, like bring this person on to the job, or maybe they're in a position of power where they can hire someone, they have the ability more so to bring their family members in than anything, anybody else. You know what I'm saying? And so I could see how that could be a potential issue when it comes down to uh, work relationships. Um, but, you know, another thing, you know, that I think that can kind of prevent that from being a, a kind of a major issue is if the people that are in a relationship together are separated and they're in totally different departments. Now, some people will say like, yeah, but that's still, you know, all the things that you talked about before, Jay, can still be an issue. It's just that, you know, there's a little bit more distance between them. Um, but that doesn't really solve all of the problems that it can bring. And I mean, I would agree with you, but I mean, I'm saying that there has been situations where, hey, I mean, a job is a job. You know what I'm saying? If a job is available and if you can get get it, and if that means that your, you know, significant other someone you're dating work, you know, happens to work there too. I mean, you're trying to make some money, right? <laughs> you're trying to have a certain type of living. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I, I kind of understand it from that aspect as well. Uh, but yeah, so that's, you know, that's the workplace. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, I guess it really depends on the management at the top, you know, and, and I, you know, I guess the people at the bottom too, that might complain enough to where maybe it gets reported and things change, but, uh, definitely would be interested to hear how y'all feel about that. You know, Hey, is, uh, should relationships at the workplace be forbidden? Y'all let us know. Okay. Going to our next anime topic. And that is, The Executioner and Her Way of Life, episode number eight, titled Monstrine, 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 <laughs> like Listerine mixed with uh, monsters. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in this episode, Minno sets out on an investigation in the city of Libel uh, for affairs after discovering people are being used by Magicraft or Magecraft, I guess you could say, 
uh, to transform people into monsters. Now, right on time, Menno receives an invitation to a private event hosted by the port city of Libel's very own Manon Libel, who seems to have some secrets of her own. Now, Menno arrives at the ballroom of, you know, from this invitation she got. And, you know, she's dressed in press. I mean, she looks amazing. Um, but, you know, just kind of, you know, thinking about this made me feel like, okay, you, this is a ballroom, you know, situation. It's a party. Ah, like, you know, I do have some issues when it comes down to public parties. Now, I know, I know, in this episode, this was a private party, uh, which I have really no issues with, but because, uh, you know, in this setting where Minnow's at, I mean, she pretty much didn't know a majority of people there, so it might as well have been a, a public party, in my opinion. But, um, now here's the thing. Public parties can be a great experience. I mean, it's nice when you're meeting new people, uh, but, you know, I just feel like there are more cons than pros when it comes down to public parties. Now, one of them being the maturity level. Like, you know, this is, you know, for me, going to a public party, you just don't know where people fall at on, on when it comes down to being mature. Uh, you know, things can break out at any moment. And because of that, you know, I just, I'm just not really, um, you know, it's just, it's just too much for me. It's like, ah, I don't really know the, the temperature of these people. So I think I'm going to back off a little bit. And then another part, you know, I say con is the possibility of drugs being distributed. Now, some people are saying, well, I mean, hey, that's that's the reason why I show up to the party. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I, hey, do what you do. Do what you do, playboy and playgirl. <laughs> um. Then you also have like the increased chance of fights or disagreements that can start or that can happen, you know, and that's all kind of like within that maturity level spectrum. Now I know like y'all are thinking like, oh dang, like Jay is just no fun at all. <laughs> like Jay boring, like, but you know, that's not true. It's really not true. Like I, I've honestly, I've been to both um, public and private parties. I've attended a lot of those functions. But I, I just honestly find private parties to be way more fun because everyone knows each other for the most part. And um, there's a couple things that, you know, I feel make private parties better. One is they're more safe. Like, I mean, think about it. You're surrounded with a lot of people that you pretty much already know. And so there no one is going to be doing anything that's going to cause usually a lot of commotion. I mean, I guess unless you're with a pack of friends that are trying to get the police called in a neighborhood, I guess that <laughs> that changes things. But um, then you also have, uh, you know, the people are generally your friends and they watch out for you. Like they're going to have your back. And so you don't really have to worry about like, oh, is this person over there? You know, they've been looking at me constantly. I don't know if they're trying to start something with me or whatever, but, you know, they came over and they bumped me. I mean, there's just all kinds of little stuff that could happen. And then um, another thing is you have a better chance of sleeping at that same location where the party is at um, so that you don't have to worry about driving under the influence anywhere, which um, that's happened to me many of occasions. 
I, I've just been blacked out, just out of there. And, you know, thankfully, because I had such amazing friends, I was able to stay at their place and sleep it off. And I mean, that was the cool thing about it is like, hey, we're not going to allow anybody to go put themselves in harm's way. Um, you know, hey, just stay here. Don't worry about it. You spend a night here. It's, it's all good. And so, I mean, I know some people out there, they're going to be looking at this like, man, like Jay, like you tight, bro. Like, you, you know, like everything has to be just just uh super safe for you but it's like no nah, like that's not the, that's not what i'm saying like i've had i've enjoyed both but if i'm ever going to do parties especially like going forward they're mostly going to be private parties like people that i mostly know like yeah there might be like one or two people there that i'm not familiar with and i feel like those situations are a little bit more manageable but when you went i mean think about it like you go to a club you go to a club and um let's say there's 200 people on this dance floor or whatever or like surrounding you or whatnot i mean y'all haven't been read like seeing the stuff on the news where people be breaking out you know like uh weapons get drawn and all this. i mean it's just all those scenarios can happen especially if you're from the hood like me <laughs> it's just like no like I, I don't want it and i i understand you can go to an uh maybe a nicer location where you it seems that people um you know won't do something like that but listen even at a, a private party it's true that uh you know an issue could break out at any moment but i just say like the likelihood is very very like less to happen you know it just i just don't think that would happen and then like in this anime in this episode of uh the executioner and her way of life they're at this they're within this ballroom and they're sharing this toast this glass of wine and my, my another thing i found to be a big issue is you have no idea if somebody like spiked the drinks you know put some type of solution in it to make everybody um you know hallucinate or anything like you don't know like you don't have control over that you know and so to me it's just like nah i, I can't do the public scenes and if i if i do go to a public scene which i i, I will and i know i will go to um because that's that's just how it's gonna be um i just will be taking extra precaution like I'll be bringing my own bottle of water or if I'm going to order, like drink something, it'll be from a vending machine, you know, that, that comes out with a cap on it. Like just stuff like that. Like I probably won't order anything directly from someone. Now at an open bar, I mean, that's different. Like, you know, you're supposed to be able to trust those people. So if it happens, it happens. I'm cool. But I, I got to get my swerve on too. <laughs> All right. So that is the end of our anime discussion. Hey, if you are listening to us from DSPs, wherever you get your bingo book podcast from, and we greatly appreciate you for listening. That is the end of this episode. However, if you are watching us live as we stream for, to you from our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch pages, hey, hold on tight. We're going to take a brief break. Mm, probably about